We're answering the question, how can a sinner ever be right with God? And we're answering it from the book of Romans, today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Guilty, 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 guilty. Paul makes that perfectly clear in chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Romans. So if we are that guilty, how can a sinner ever be right with God? Glad you asked. Paul doesn't stop Romans in chapter 3, verse 20. You see, he continues on and gives us a marvelous answer. Please join us. Chapter 3, verses 21 through 26 is up for grabs today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Here now, telling us how a sinner can be right with God. Romans 1 said that the race says we're not, we don't acknowledge God, we don't thank God, and we insult God by saying, I had rather worship something that I make with my own hands than to worship you who made me. Take that, God. Idolatry is the biggest slap in the face of God. I had rather bow and give my allegiance to an animal or to vegetation or some four-footed beast, that Roman says, than to bow before my creator. So God said, you mean you won't give me any acknowledgement? You won't even acknowledge that I exist, that I'm good, that I'm beneficial. You, you won't. He said, I will not. And the worst thing that God found about you and I when he saved us, he found a person that was bringing him no glory. He saved people who despised his laws, despised his son through rejection, despised wanting to do things God's way. And he says, I have found you all guilty. You have sinned. I have that on you. And in the present, this word glory, sometimes in its literal meaning, we get the word doxa, doxology. It meant to give a good opinion of. We fall short of giving God a good opinion. We do not express anything good about God. And you look at a good thoroughbred sinner like all of us were when God found us. You weren't giving God any credit. There was no God being seen. The only thing about God being seen in you is how much God's willing to put up with to save somebody. His patience, his mercy. And that's exactly what Paul said. When God saved me, he showed you how long he could put up with a sinner in order to save him. That's what God shows off. So to be saved, I could never be saved by how I could perform some legal system. Two, I must be saved by faith alone. Three, I must be one that admits I'm a sinner. Fourthly, I must know that I could be right with God solely on one condition. Only one motive ever lets a sinner be right with God. To be right with God 
is the amazing grace of God. And look what he says. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are being justified freely by his grace. The word freely is the word without a cause. We get our word Dorothy from it, Doria. And so it means a gift, but it was used when Jesus said, they hated me without a cause. (laughs) Uh, And here God gives us a gift, and the idea, a gift that we didn't earn instead of wages that we find in Romans 4, sin brings wages But God took and gave a gift to the condemned, to the guilty. Let me give you a gift. Well, why would you do that? I want to show you that I am gracious. Did you know that God had to create beings that would rebel and fall before he could ever show off what grace looks like? There was no grace in eternity past There was no grace ever needed until God made angels and man. There was love, but there was no mercy. There was no grace. When you go way back in eternity and there's no angels, and there's just the triune God, there's no grace ever demonstrated for none of the members of the Godhead ever needed grace, for they deserved everything they were being given. It's when... Angels, why didn't two-thirds of the angels fall? God's grace. God kept them from falling. You can read that in Timothy. Then when he comes down here and he makes man, well, what's God going to do when man falls? Well, he could incinerate all of us. He can give up on all of us. Why didn't he just destroy Noah also? Just eliminate the whole race. Don't ever let him propagate again and replenish the earth. Just get rid of the batch. No. And the Hebrew word, Noah found favor in the sight of God. The word is grace. He found grace in God's sight. So God has chosen to be gracious to the guilty And how is that grace manifested? It's manifested through three things. He has decided to redeem you through Jesus Christ. He has decided to make Christ a satisfactory payment for our sins. And he has used the cross to demonstrate how he could be gracious and be just at the same time. Let me explain them. What the cross did for God and for the sinners. At the cross, Christ redeemed a people for God. And that word redeem is a word, uh, it's from a, a group of words, to lose something. And it came to be used of to lose something upon receipt of a payment or a ransom. Christ came to give his life a ransom for many. The idea is Christ released us from the slavery and the imprisonment of our sin in that he paid a price at the cross. His death was a ransom payment to purchase 
those he saves. The church which he purchased with his own blood. Titus, he has purchased for himself a peculiar people. He purchased them by redeeming them. It was a word to set slaves and prisoners free by just meeting out the money. But Peter said, you were not redeemed with silver nor gold, but with the precious blood of a lamb, the Lamb of God, Christ. So in the cross, Christ paid full, full price to purchase freedom for all that he saves. Paid full price. He goes on to say, because God made him a propitiation. Now, we don't like to use that word today because you might have to learn a new word. I, I'm sick and tired. You can learn all the tech language you want, but when you come to church, don't insult them by using biblical language. But you learn megabyte and all this computer lingo. That's great. I envy you. I'm still trying to turn on my machine. I typed my doctor's thesis on an IBM typewriter, and it was 420 pages. I would have never graduated had my sister not inputted it in a computer, because by the time the faculty critiqued it in grammar and spelling, I would have never made the graduation date. Thank God for computers and a sister. What's the idea of propitiation? Let me tell you the view. Many scholars do not like the word. A great scholar out of England, C.H. Dodd, he takes the word propitiation, and he makes it mean expiation. Now, you don't know what either one means, so let me tell you. By expiation, he means the death of Christ expiated, forgave, removed my sins. So, he makes it directed towards my sin. But the word is used in the Old Testament about 23 times, and it's always used of a sacrifice offered to God. It was translated mercy seat at times, but he's not talking about Christ being a mercy seat here. He's talking about Christ was offered to an angry God. For God, for three chapters of Romans, says, I'm angry. I'm displaying my wrath towards guilty, God-dishonoring mankind. And my wrath is coming upon them. Strip it all you want. I am angry with man's response to me. Christ must come and be offered on the cross to quench the anger of God against us. Now, some say that's a pagan idea, and they reject it. That's paganism. For the pagans thought the gods are angry. The gods need to be appeased. So you're out here bringing food offerings. You were even offering your firstborn children, as in the book of Jeremiah and Moloch. 
And so they said, that's a pagan concept. You, God is not angry. This is not some capricious, moody, irritable, pagan God. No. This is a righteous, holy God that spelled out his expectations, and he is angry not because he's moody, not because he's uh, unpredictable. He's angry because he's been violated. He's angry because you've broken his commandments. He's angry because you hate him. He is angry because you rejected everything that's good, holy, and right. And he's telling you, I can send you to hell justly. And that's exactly what you deserve because you violated everything in me. The court of the universe is offended with your law-breaking. And you're in court. Satisfy the demands of the court or be executed. But guess what? What makes this concept non-pagan, in this court, the judge himself provides the only thing that will satisfy the outraged demands of the court. The judge offers his son. He offers the only thing that can satisfy his anger against us. So he not only provides the propitiation in the person of his son, he becomes the propitiation so that in salvation, God says God is able to give the guilty something they don't deserve because he was willing to give up his beloved son in place of the guilty. He's been satisfied with the payment. Imagine you being on death row. You've got a week to live. And a week before the sentence is to be carried out against you, the warden walks to you, your cell on death warden, and said, guess what? We have someone that has satisfied the claims of the state against you. Someone else has borne your penalty. I've come to tell you the good news. Your death sentence is canceled. But justice has been served over and above for the attorney who found you guilty gave his son to die for you. This is somewhat of the picture of what God is painting. I have satisfied myself about being angry at you for your sin, but the way I satisfied myself is I gave my son in your place. This is not paganism, friend. This is amazing grace. And then in this act of the cross, he, Christ did something. He demonstrated, and he uses two different Greek words. He made it public. One word is to make public. The other is to show his purpose. God went public with the payment. He publicly kills his son and lets angels and mankind look on and say, you thought I was a loose-talking, slippy, 
kind of a judge that I could forgive this and forgive that for all those Old Testament sins I chose to overlook. They brought their lambs and their bullocks, but it never paid for sin, and I just kept overlooking and pushing it back. And angels and even men and someone can say, where is the justice of God? They have not met their guilt. The lamb died, not the man. How did you let David get off, God? You should have killed him. He committed two capital offenses. He kills a man, and he steals a man's wife, and you don't do a thing? Where is your justice? David should have been hung by his toes for what he did. He was outrageously wrong. How could he ever get off? God said, David, you've offered me a broken heart, and I'm just going to forbear with this because I look, there's a future day when this is going to be paid in full. But right now, because you repented, I'm going to give you grace. But guess what? My character is in question. Men would question whether or not I'm just a sloppy Santa Claus God that can suspend all the rules and cut some slack here, and I let this one go, I kill this one, and I'm just an arbitrary God that's not consistent. No, when I send Jesus, he's going to go to the cross as my representative, and there he's going to show I'm just in declaring right guilty sinners because I myself spared not my son, it cost me a great deal to satisfy the claims of the court. And so God at the cross was seen to be just and gracious at the same time. Without violating anything in his holy character, he met every demand. He died. He died in the person of his son. He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised again for our justification. This is God's gospel. It's not just Jesus was born, died, buried, rose again. This is the implications of it. How can the guilty ever be right? People ask me, could a murderer ever be right with God? Well, David got right. I'm not a murderer, thank God. Bishop Hanley Mole said one time, we all do not sin to the same degree. And he said this, some of you may be so bad. You're the harlot. You're the murderer. You're the worst things we come up with on the sin category. Others of you are refined, nice, and lily white, as it were, in comparison and he said, some of you may be at the bottom of the mine looking up. Other of, others of you may be standing on the precipice of the Alps. But one thing's for sure, neither one of you are reaching the stars. Neither one of you good enough to go all the way up. How has your sin problem been dealt with? Well, Abraham took his son up to Mount Moriah. By the way, I'm going to stop, but I'm not finished. I'm over time. I've got two minutes. But do you, don't you think this sermon's over? 
I'm just stopping. Do you hear? This is, this is what we ought to be talking about. Until you know this section of Scripture, I wonder if you're saved. I wonder if you want to know it bad enough. I was praying about Ephesians 1 this week. God lavished his riches on me. And it all of a sudden hit me as Paul began to pray that their understanding would be open. I said, what are you praying this for, Paul? Because the Spirit just spoke to my heart. Because many of my people are saved but still ignorant of what I've done for them. They don't see the riches I've poured out. And they live in poverty in their mind. Does he love me? Does he love me not? See, I grew up on that kind of theology. Does he love me? Does he love me not? Does he love me? Today he does. Does he love me not? Maybe not today. Does he love me? I found out I'm saved every day. Why? Because of what my substitute did. I am no better in many ways than I was the moment I put faith in Christ because God declares me righteous before the law of the court, he's spending a lifetime to make me righteous. It's a long journey to get your ethics to catch up with your status. I'm declared right before this court, and he's been working on me 40 years to act right. But I'm right in the sight of the judge because the judge's son has paid all the broken offenses of the law that I committed. So are you. Our gospel is all needed for all of sin. Our gospel is faith alone in Jesus Christ alone saves. Our gospel is no law keeping no matter what form it is will ever save you. Our gospel says the cross met every encumbrance and every obstacle. It bought the sinner that was a slave to sin. It satisfied the outraged holiness of God. It's been quenched. I love it when Spurgeon said, God took the sword of justice and he plunged it into the scabbard of mercy. And the scabbard was the side of his son. God took the sword of justice and plunged it into the scabbard of mercy. And the scabbard was the side of his son. This is why us guilty folks are getting to go to heaven. God has declared us right on the basis of what his son has done. And with that, we put the finishing touches on today's broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Well, today's broadcast is taken from a greater set out of the book of Romans. And today, our focus has been specifically on this wonderful part of Romans here in the first couple of chapters. Can a sinner be right with God? And the answer is unequivocally, yes. And we're taking a look at what the Apostle Paul has to say about it and how that happens. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, copies are available, or simply ask for the entire three-CD set, How Can a Sinner Ever Be Right with God? Call us today at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. Hercules, California, the zip code is 94547. 
Now, there is another way that you can contact us, and not only contact us, but take advantage of an awful lot of resource materials available for your growth in Christ. And you'll get the chance to learn a bit more about us and who we are and what we believe. It's all found at our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. And please, at this time, let me extend to you a personal invitation to join us at Valley Bible. Directions and service times are all found at our website, valleybible.org. And when you pay us a visit, would you let one of the ushers know that you were invited by the radio broadcast? That would encourage us a great deal. One other note as we let you go, the broadcast is presented daily and Sundays here on KFAX as TFT sustainers come alongside of us financially and prayerfully as partners, helping us in the support of the broadcast to continue the ministry of Truth For Today here on KFAX. Now, as a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift. You'll also have access to Take a Break, which is the weekly devotional video done by Pastor Phil. For further information, visit valleybible.org or simply call us at 855-833-9864. No gift is too small. In fact, we would rather have 25 folks who are giving 5 or $10 a month as opposed to one big donation. That's not to say we won't take a big donation as well, but again, that's simply to let you know that any and all donations are gratefully appreciated. And 100% of your donation goes back into the ministry here at Truth For Today to ensure that it continues here on KFAX. Please consider that as you call us at 855-833-9864 and then join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 